At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Wow, Jesus, this is pretty heavy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Positively Joy, a podcast on searching for the light all around us in all seasons of life. We look for God in the everyday and choose joy even in the hard times. I'm your host, Yvette Walker. I'd love for you to become a part of our online podcast family and join our Positively Joy community on Facebook. Visit PositivelyJoy.com for previous episodes and to check out our cool merch. And listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you go for podcasts. We drop episodes Monday and Thursday. Welcome, friends. I began a three-part lesson showing how Jesus is a leader, beginning with the idea that, like all leaders, Jesus knew how to speak to his followers, especially his inner circle, his apostles. Call it a pep talk, if you will. So in part one, we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, a.k.a. the Beatitudes. And in part two, we looked at two of his parables, the prodigal son, which is really more about the heart of the father than the son, and the sower and the seed, which dealt with spreading the message. Today, I want to end this series with Jesus during Passion Week. Some scholars believe it was on a Tuesday, on the Mount of Olives with the Twelve Apostles. This was the last quote-unquote pep talk Jesus would give to the apostles. And you might not think of this as a pep talk, knowing what was about to happen to Jesus, but like a good leader, he needed to prepare his team for what was to come. So what happened? Well, Jesus is walking out of the temple courts with his disciples, and his disciples comment on the magnificence of the building. Jesus abruptly announces that the whole thing will soon be torn down. This is shocking to the group. The idea that the temple will be destroyed also triggers a couple of questions from the disciples. Uh, This is from Matthew 24 and 25, and they ask, Tell us, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus gave a very lengthy answer, and this is also called the Olivet Discourse, since Jesus is on the Mount of Olives when he answers their questions. So you really have to unpack this because it's pretty complicated, and the textbook Living God's Word by Duval and Hayes takes a really good look at this teaching. So let's break it down. First, Jesus answers the disciples' questions, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem and the return of the Son of Man. And then he talks about birth pains, which are events that occur in every age. Next, he talks about the sharp pain of the destruction of Jerusalem and the introduction of great distress or tribulations. And then the coming of the Son of Man, the nearness of Christ's return, the need to be prepared for Christ's return, only the Father knows the time of Christ's return, illustrations on the unexpectedness of Christ's return, therefore, he says, you must stay alert, to the degree that he actually gives four parables on watchfulness, and then finally he talks about the final judgment and reward. So there's a lot in this section of Matthew and also in Mark 13. 
Some scholars have labeled this teaching apocalyptic since much of what Jesus says seem to apply to the end of the age. The Olivet Discourse can be confusing, but using the textbook by Duvall and Hayes, let's try to summarize Jesus' specific instructions and commands. But first, here's an excerpt from Matthew 24. And for those of you with the red letter word Bibles, this whole chapter is a sea of red. Beginning in verse 3. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many of you. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Wow, Jesus, this is pretty heavy. He takes a long time explaining this and even includes four parables on watchfulness to help the apostles believe and understand. But the apostles are flawed human beings and I doubt they even remember this by the time of the Last Supper and when they're in the Garden of Gethsemane. And perhaps this is why they were so taken aback when Jesus was arrested and put to death. If they truly understood what Jesus had been trying to tell them, they would know this had to happen. But you know, it's interesting because Jesus has talked about parables before. Remember, he tells parables so that not everybody can actually understand the truth. Usually after he will deliver a speech and parables to a larger group, he takes the smaller group aside to explain exactly what he means by them. So now here he is both explaining to the apostles what is to come, but also explaining in parables. So why did he do that? Could it be that he knew that this would be too much information for them to absorb all at once and that it might take some time and further encouragement from the Holy Spirit who was yet to come to open their minds and help them understand his message? Jesus frequently spoke of love and peace and being mindful of our neighbor, but this is a message unlike no other. Authors Duvall and Hayes summarize the message like this. Number one, disciples should not be deceived by false reports or false messiahs, even though they may perform signs and wonders and deceive the crowds. Number two, disciples should not be alarmed by chaotic world events such as wars, famines, and earthquakes. These things are going to happen throughout history and do not necessarily signal the end of time. Number three, 
Disciples should expect opposition and persecution, perhaps even martyrdom. Number four, disciples should know that Jesus's return is a certain thing. It will happen. Number five, the time of his return is uncertain. Although he's coming back, no one knows the time of his return. As a result, his return is always described as being near or imminent meaning that it could happen any time. Number six, disciples should be alert and ready for Jesus's return. This is the central command of the Olivet Discourse. More than anything, Jesus wants us to be alert and prepared. Number seven, disciples should be alert and prepared by doing what God has called them to do, and that's preaching the gospel to all nations, doing the jobs that we've been assigned, and using our gifts and abilities to serve the Lord. I agree that our watchfulness is the central command of Jesus's teaching here, but a close second has got to be not speculating about when he will return or using current events to judge that we're in the last days. We may be in the last days, but no one knows, only God the Father. So we need to stop discussing who our leaders are Uh, and what's happening in other parts of the world, and what our economy is like to try to predict Jesus coming. Because he told us that nothing would predict it, so we should stop trying to do that. Now, I'm torn about end-of-days movies. I'm I'm a bit of a movie fan, and they are entertaining. But as we just said, no one can predict. So if we're watching these movies, are we going against what Jesus tells us to do? I'm not sure. As I said, I'm an avid movie watcher and I've seen some end of days movies and some, you know, are really, really interesting. But I just have to keep in mind that this is fiction. It's a representation of what might happen, but not the prediction of what will happen. And again, as I said, we cannot guess about our leaders suggesting that someone is the Antichrist or anything like that. Because there's just no way for us to know. And we should stop doing, doing that because I believe that gets in the way of what our real focus should be. And that focus is to read God's word and do what he tells us to do and have faith that he will return. I hope you've enjoyed this series on Jesus as a leader and his pep talks. You can find episode part one and two on positivelyjoy.com and I'll post the three parts together as a reading for you. And now, fittingly, Here's a reading from Angel McCoy of Angel Reads the Bible. She reads from later in the Olivet Discourse. Matthew 24, verses 36 through 44 of the New International Reader's Version of the Bible. But no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven know. The Son does not know, only the Father knows. Remember how it was in the days of Noah? It will be the same when the Son of Man comes. In the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking. They were getting married. They were giving their daughters to be married. They did all those things right up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be when the Son of Man comes. 
two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. So keep watch. You do not know on what day your Lord will come. You must understand something. Suppose the owner of the house knew what time of night the robber was coming. Then he would have kept watch. He would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. You've been listening to Positively Joy. I'm your host, Yvette Walker, and thank you so much for spending some time with us. Come on over to our website, PositivelyJoy.com. You can listen to past episodes. You can download a free teachable called Five Ways to Choose Joy. See our merchandise, cool t-shirts with our new logo. We've got a lot going on at PositivelyJoy.com. So we hope to see you there. Farewell for now.